As quoted by threadless artist Matthew Hole, art speaks where words are unable to explain. On this note, my today's guest, an incredible artist and an illustrator, learns the rules like a pro, so she can break them like an artist, just like Pablo Picasso said. On this note, in this episode, we are going to discuss about a young woman's struggle with her body image, what is bulimia and her battles with it. Her resilient journey of transformation is an exemplar to one and all. So sit back, relax, enjoy and be inspired. Hello, my beautiful souls. My today's guest is an incredible artist, entrepreneur, rising star in Instagram, and even more, a very warm and an amazing person. Her name is Anna Sophie Drost. Anna is an artist from Berlin, Germany. She studied design, pattern making, cutting, draping, and mastered specifying on costumes for theater, opera, ballet, and historical European clothing. Uh, she recently started acrylic illustrations all around female empowerment and put them on her Instagram. And now she also microblogs on Instagram with these illustrations. And I'm so happy for you, Anna. You, you know, now you have introduced an Etsy shop where you can buy your art. And on her uh, podcast, Hail, Rise, Shine, she tells stories of daily warrior women who did exactly that and now follow their heart and dream women like you and me because we all have amazing story to tell and what strikes me the most about her is her uniqueness her mind-blowing illustrations humbleness and her being very proactive thank you so much Anna for coming on to my show thank you so much for the wonderful introduction I'm tearing up (laughs) you're the hero of the show now so Anna what's art to you and why choose art so I'm an artist since I was very little Um, I always had artistic expressions when I was a little kid I always loved art I was always into art Mm -hmm. when I was in school I uh, majored in music and theater Mm -hmm. and I really loved painting as well So that's why I ultimately decided to make the design apprenticeship and also major because I love handcrafting as well. Mm -hmm. I love the art part about it, but I also love handcrafting. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to combine both. Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up studying what I did. (laughs) And (laughs) and. Yeah, art is just, it's my life. It's me. It's part of me. And it's super important to me. And uh, did you use art as a platform to, you know, empower yourself and others and, you know, get inspired? So was that a medium for you? Yeah, for me, it was um, in my regular job. I Mm. always get the designs from the costume designer and I make the patterns and I make the 2D into a 3D. So that is my job. So it's not really creative, you know, it's a really handcrafty job you know right so I had a lack of creative outlet so I needed a creative outlet and then COVID came around Mm -hmm. and (laughs) yeah (laughs) and mid-March I found myself at home being bored (laughs) (laughs) and 
that was the point where I was like, okay, I have to start doing something. I need this creative outlet again. Right. And I was actually having a yoga session. And during the Shavasana on the yoga mat, I was thinking, how can I do these illustrations? <laughs> so I was painting them in my head and I was thinking about, okay, it could be that. And with the black and the white, and I really love details. Right. And I really love these Mendy designs. And then pink would be cool as well. So let's just try it. And oh, that's I'll... basically how I started. I yeah. love the combination, the, you know, especially when you bring art to uh, causes like body positivity, women empowerment, it's mind blowing. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. And especially because, you know, it's not easy to show your art in causes like these, right? It's not very easy. You need to be very, very creative. And, you know, you have such a blessing. And uh, coming to body positivity, uh, Anna, uh, so when did you start having insecurities regarding your body when we initially spoke you did speak about your eyes your weight you know can you share the story to our listeners yes of course so I'm a white woman I'm pretty tall I'm 173 centimeters and I was always very slim so with that I basically fit into the ideal imagination which has been thrown around for centuries of uh, a white woman how you know this is the ideal picture how everybody wants to look whatever um or what the media tells us is the most beautiful thing so um I was a very confident little kid I was super confident oh my god when I (laughs) had stories I heard about myself I'm like whoa okay but then I entered uh, high school Mm -hmm. and that was pretty tough for me because I grew up in a um in a very multicultural part of Berlin and the school I went to, the primary school, was very mixed. So we had a lot of people with a Turkish background and some kids didn't even speak German. So Mm -hmm. the teachers had to balance as Germans who were on a higher level, truly to say, but it was like that. And then kids who still have to learn the language. Um, So, yeah, so... I was top of my class at Mm. that time. Mm -hmm. And then I entered high school very early Mm -hmm. in an early program. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was one of the worst students. And that was pretty, that that was the beginning of it. I became insecure because all of a sudden I was, I needed to study so hard and still I couldn't catch up. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a teenager and slowly growing into female body, (laughs) yeah, yeah, the insecurities came with me. You know, I was bullied pretty early in high school. So I grew up into a teenager being bullied and being insecure, not just the way you look, but the way that I cannot do things, you know, as good as like school stuff, as good as other. I was always really good at sports. I was always really good at arts and music and stuff like that. So everything creative. Apart from that, I was one of the worst students. And then you become um, a teenager and you just want to fit in. And then you see or I saw all of these pictures of models and magazines and all of a sudden I was like okay maybe if I'm prettier Mm -hmm. then people will accept me you know then Mm -hmm. I don't experience this lack anymore and um, so I was slim already Mm -hmm. I was always really sporty Mm -hmm. so I tried to lose weight and uh, that started I believe with around 13 
14. Oh my God. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, that I wanted to become skinnier and prettier, like the women on the magazine. Mm-hmm. And with around like 14 or 15, um, it's the first time you start experience with makeup. Right. And makeup back, makeup back in the 2000s was not, <laughs> it's not the quality we have these days. Yeah. But I have monoliths. So mm-hmm. um, what is really typical for Asians usually? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in Germany, European magazines do not cover this type of eye. And also the products you could buy are not fitting for these type of eye makeup um, yeah. because if you have monoliths uh, then you need waterproof um, makeup because otherwise everything just melts everywhere <laughs> it just does not look pretty you know but yeah. you don't know that you don't know that growing yeah. up especially if you're not in the surrounding I didn't know any Asian people at that time but not so much I we had one Asian girl in our year in our mm-hmm. yeah but that's basically it and then you don't know how to do these things and it's frustrating I think every woman can understand that. <laughs> yeah, and like you feel you are a different person, you know, the way you look and the way you are. So it's the rest of the crowd you are apart, right? So what were the health implications, Anna, both on a mental and a physical level? Where we did speak about your bulimia and, uh, you know, what is bulimia for our listeners? Can you please share and how did it affect you? Yeah, so the issue was that my mom actually is a doctor mm-hmm. and psychologist psychotherapist for people with eating disorders (laughs) so (laughs) that is the contradictory there (laughs) and the thing was um one of my favorite shows back in the days was gilmore girls gilmore girls yes oh yeah i love this yeah They eat all the junk food. Yeah, they eat all the junk food. And they still look as if they are not. Yeah, that was my question too. mm -hmm. So... I wanted to be super skinny and I first of all tried to eat just less. I skipped meals like lunch for example when my mom wasn't home so I would just breakfast and like a little bit of dinner but that was not really working for me because I still I eat a lot of food and then I was watching these series and I also wanted to eat all of that junk food but then I felt guilty um, about eating that because it would make me fat you know you know that in the end of the (laughs) and so that's how it started basically because I was eating a lot and then I was throwing up to not have it in my system and to not gain weight Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah the thing is with bulimic people oftentimes you do not notice that they have bulimia Mm -hmm. because they are eating quite normal or they're eating quite a lot also Mm -hmm. and we are really good in hiding Mm -hmm. you you develop techniques of uh, throwing up really silently when people are around or like you pay attention to clean the toilet every time you did it, that mm-hmm. it doesn't smell as well um, so you become really really good in hiding things oh so God. none of my family ever knew oh wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where it comes in my mom was a doctor for people with eating disorders <laughs> and <laughs> I think there were times where she thought about it but we never really spoke about it and I actually never really told them okay. and the thing with food is mm-hmm. it's so much more complicated having a food or a 
eating disorder mm -hmm. than any other addiction because it is an addiction. Okay. Eating all this crap and throwing up and feeling guilty. And sometimes you get to a point where you eat normal stuff and you throw up because you feel guilty of eating. Right. You, but you cannot stop eating. Um, so it's different. If you're an alcoholic, mm -hmm. you can stop drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. But when you have an eating disorder, you cannot stop eating, yeah. which makes this kind of disease a really difficult one to get out of right. and it's basically just something and that's what I heard from a lot of people mm -hmm. something you learn to live with at a certain right. time um, right. I would not say that I'm over it I still sometimes have attacks Right. Um, I know uh, when you say attacks, what do you imply? Do you uh, start eating uh, food or like what, what does it mean when you say attack? Yeah. So that basically means, for example, when I have a bad day and that's how it usually happens with me. Mm -hmm. I know I have a lot to do, mm -hmm. but I'm super tired and mm -hmm. I just want to rest. But I cannot allow myself to rest because I have so much to do. You know, we all know this context. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there's a huge guilt of still taking a break. Right. And what I started doing at some point, I started eating. Because uh -huh. when you eat, you cannot do much more. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's... That's when I start eating and eating and eating and I do not stop. And, you know, that's the attack when you eat so much mm -hmm, and then okay. your belly hurts. Everything hurts. You know, you, it's not a nice feeling. Your yeah. belly hurts and you cannot move. You cannot even lie on the couch anymore. <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah, yeah. You eat so much that you have no other choice than throwing right. up. Oh so that's it's rarely that it happens these days. Mm -hmm. um, but when I, especially in bad times, it happens more often. Mm -hmm. But it's not as bad as it used to be in my teenage years and also in my studying time. Right. Um, yeah, so that's basically, it's, it's hard because, like mm -hmm. I said, you learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. I was in multiple therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. I had therapy, I think, for five years in total. Oh, yeah. yeah. The first time I went to therapy, I was 17. And okay. I finished my last therapy mm -hmm. three years ago or something, or two years ago. Right. And for some people, it's not just a mental thing anymore. For me, mm -hmm. for example, it's not... I want to be skinny. It's not mm -hmm. that anymore. Mm -hmm. For me, it, when it happens these days, it's what I described exactly. It's right. eating to procrastinate other things instead mm -hmm. of taking a proper break. Action, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's how it evolves. You know, this is something I know, something mm -hmm. I've been doing for so many years. I'm 31 now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's basically <laughs> part of my life, half of my life now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you learn to. It's a journey. It, it, it's it's familiar, and it's also familiar. You know, it's it's yeah. you know that. Right. And for me, lying around doing nothing is something I'm not familiar with. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. I see your mom is the doctor, especially uh, dealing into this uh, eating disorders and stuff like this. So what was her role in your life? And how did you even be aware of something called bulimia, the, that something like this exists? How were you aware of it? Because first step for anything is to being aware, right? Like this, something is wrong. So what was your mother's role in this, in your life, in your transformation process? Yeah. So the story with my mother is really difficult, actually. 
exactly. Um, mm -hmm. So she, she's the psychotherapy for people with eating disorders, mostly not on the anorexic side, but mostly on the very heavy overweight right. to a level of overweight where it becomes unhealthy and they need to go into hospital to get mm -hmm. proper care to mm -hmm. get down the weight and to keep living mm -hmm. and with her job like that when I grew up I obviously heard a lot of stories she doctors open a lot on the <laughs> yes. kitchen table yes. oh, you have your meal and they tell you the most disgusting stories you know <laughs> but um, the thing with my mother was that because she was so influenced on her mm -hmm. job, she mm -hmm. paid a lot of attention mm -hmm. on my body as well. She commented, and I don't think mm -hmm. she understood what that did with me, mm -hmm. but she always commented when I gained a little bit of weight or when I lost a little bit of weight, it was never unnoticed. She, I had really bad skin when I was a teenager. She mm -hmm. always always oh your skin is worse or oh now it's looking a bit better but I'm not her patient you know and when you hear these things on mm. a daily basis it's like for me when she said oh you gained weight it was like oh, I have to lose weight you know yeah you it's, become super cautious right yeah you become super cautious yeah so these things were part of my daily life up growing but I cannot tell you how I was aware of all of these terms mm -hmm. for me they were always there I always kind of knew what these mm -hmm. things maybe it, maybe it was because of my mom um yeah. because she yeah because she threw a while around these words and right. yeah you just know and then of course at a certain point I also um, put research into it because mm -hmm. for me you know we have this BMI you know body right. mass index yes. I always try to stay mm -hmm. in the lower end so I right. knew exactly for my height okay this is the least I can wait and I was not trying to get less you know oh so for me I still know that for me it's 57 kg mm -hmm. and lower than 57 kg I would be under the BMI but with mm -hmm. 57 kg I'm still safe this is at what <laughs> you know, age I know uh, I was think, yeah that was around 14 when it oh started oh my god all, I, I didn't know what is BMI when I was 14 <laughs> 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 yeah because my mother was so aware of it yeah, and stuck. yeah and I knew okay when you become skinnier than that people will worry you yeah. know also it helped me to understand okay at that point it gets unhealthy mm -hmm. um at a certain point I knew it was not good of course I knew it I mean <laughs> yeah. I know all the side effects of bulimia still it's yeah. still hard you know when you're yeah, in this cycle yeah. yeah so how did you get out of all of this Anna I know like you did mention about your uh, South African volunteering trip so this transformed you so how did you come out of all of this so to be very honest I think mm -hmm. probably I feel more confident in myself in my and in my body probably since a year maybe two years you yeah. know okay. so just to say that I think it takes a lot of time to accept yourself, to accept your body. Mm -hmm. And I feel comfortable in my body now. Yeah. Um, the first thing what you're mentioning now is, so I was in this uh, school environment in, in the same environment that I needed to get out of there. I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted that. I also always wanted to go out in the world and mm -hmm. help people. That's, you know, white savior complex. <laughs> <laughs> I had that. I was really naive 
when I was 19. So I joined this volunteering program right. with the DED and I went to Malawi actually. Okay. And that did a lot for me. It was for the first time I was away from my parents. I was mm-hmm. away from the normal environment I was in and I was thrown in a completely different culture mm-hmm. into a country where even the public transport system is not the same. You know, yeah. everything yeah. is different. Yeah. And being in a completely new surrounding away from the very toxic relationship I also had with my mother mm-hmm. and I felt free for the first time in my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. In the beginning I was still very cautious about my weight and not eating too much and really looking you know when you're in this habit and it is like that but with time I learned to let go I started to go out there I met new people besides the volunteers I knew and I was starting to live I traveled a lot I did a lot of solo trips to um, to Zambia to Zimbabwe Um, and having this freedom Mm -hmm. it's changed something I still had a lot I still struggled a lot with the bulimia because the food in Malawi is very different from what I know and it's a lot of fried stuff (laughs) and it's a lot of enzima but it's full of carbs and Mm -hmm. maize and it's (laughs) and I gained 10 kg during my year in Malawi Mm -hmm. Um, I was at some point I was aware of it when I was looking at pictures and then I started to do more sport but it was nothing that bothered me on a daily basis but I was aware of it and I still felt kind of uncomfortable Mm-hmm. When I when I was eating, you know, I, I had still a lot of these attacks. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was feeling good in myself because I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of contacts. I was accepted. Um, I just had a great time. So it was really contradictory. Right. It's um, a whole new world. It's a whole new world. And I always try to get accepted by being skinny and being pretty. And there I was the heaviest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I had have been accepted you know it's yeah. <laughs> and you weren't even trying and I wasn't even trying yeah, yeah I was enough as I was there that was <laughs> awesome yeah and then I returned to Germany that's where my Bolivia actually got worse um, oh, there was a lot of pressure again I was struggling mm-hmm. I was trying to lose all that weight mm-hmm. and I did lose it at some point as well and it was it was hard right. it was it's, it's even really hard thinking about this especially when I returned from Malawi that was the worst part I had daily attacks yeah coming out of this freedom being at home again you yeah, know true, yeah. and you, did you try I therapy can... after this or so not directly mm-hmm. um, I was on therapy before I went to Malawi then I stopped obviously because I left okay. the country and yeah. the next time I got into therapy was when I was back in Berlin living in Berlin after my study Right. Um, so probably around four years later, but I was often time at the point where mm-hmm. I was like, 
like I need help I cannot do this alone yes and and Anna could you please share a few pointers you know to our listeners who wants to love their self their body and embrace themselves yeah so I think the most important thing to understand on the journey mm-hmm. to being more comfortable with yourself if, if you don't like yourself don't try to love yourself it's not working try to get comfortable <laughs> yourself yeah, yeah. Yes. it is like you have to take baby yes. so you will not wake up every day and say like oh it's so great I love myself and everything is so perfect and no <laughs> nobody has that that anybody has that it's like you know sometimes they're really good days and then you look into the mirror and you're like not that bad you know <laughs> what I what I very much admire um yeah, in South African women they're so confident when you watch them they're like yeah I look so perfect I look so great oh, I would love to have that confidence wow. <laughs> yeah it's really like that it's amazing yeah um but I think that is the most important thing to not pressure yourself mm-hmm. into I have to be part of this body positivity and the community and general mm-hmm. um i think it's the most important thing to know is that everybody has bad days and bad days are so normal mm-hmm. and most days are regular days mm-hmm. and then you have some days where you feel really great about yourself and mm-hmm. for women and that is actually the point what a lot of women need to understand um is to move with their cycle and i think that actually helps a lot to right. connect with your body don't pressure yourself during menstruation to achieve all of these great things mm-hmm. it's important to accept and that's why i talk about accepting your body and i have a podcast episode coming out this week it is in english mm-hmm. she has a german blog but it's still um she talks all about this about the female body about the female cycle mm-hmm. and her name is Bia Lowsley, her blog is uh, Lady Planet. Mm-hmm. And then there is also Alisa Vitti with Low Living. She wrote a whole book about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is amazing. I read this book um, and I adapted a lot of these things into my life. Right. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming on to my show and, you know, sharing your invaluable knowledge and your experiences. It's truly an honor. Yeah, thank you. I'm very glad you had me on. <laughs> Thank you so 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 very much guys for tuning till the end of the episode. It really means the world to me that you invested few minutes out of your precious 24 hours into my episode. I would be even more grateful to you guys if you can go to my episode and please subscribe and leave a review out there. You can share the screenshot of your reviews or any kind of key takeaways of the episode. Please make sure that you tag me over Instagram or Facebook. Let's see how this episode can bring value to so many of your friends and others. I will give a shout out to you as well. All right, that's it for now. I will look forward to have you in my next episode of Musified with Ashi. Let's rock and roll. Take care and ciao.